Welcome to the Travel Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Vandenberg. On our show, I interview and connect with leaders across travel, hospitality, and tourism. We talk leadership in our industry, what has shaped them, the successes, failures, and everything in between. On today's episode, I'm speaking with Emily Penfold Daly of Penn Daly Consulting. Before we start, I want to let you know about the Travel Leader community. Every month, I'll be gathering a group of travel leaders to continue the conversation about leadership. This is a group for travel leaders looking to share, reflect, and grow their leadership competencies with the support of myself as a trained coach. Learn more at www.thetravelleadercoach.com. And with that, I would like to introduce you to Emily Penfold Daly. Hey, Rachel, thanks for having me today. I really appreciate it. It's great to have you here. Uh, I have been over the last several months, I've learned so much from you online uh, through LinkedIn. And that's one of the first places I got introduced to you uh, was seeing your content on LinkedIn but also because you were introduced by a colleague who brought you into Accelerate Women Leaders in Travel as one of our speakers, um, which was great having you there yeah, and getting to meet Nancy you. Yeah, shout out Nancy Mendelson. Nice to, Absolutely. Nice to she's, expand my network. <laughs> she's a good one to know, um, and she's a great connector for sure. Um, so welcome. Uh, to get us started, Let's talk about what is the red thread throughout your career? Um, I love the concept of a red thread because it comes up in a lot of different cultures, first of all. So I know from your upbringing that it likely comes from the European model of the red thread that is the storyline that goes throughout your life. But there's another cultural uh, piece that I like that ties into what my red thread is, which is in Japanese culture, there's this belief that the red thread is connecting all humans by their pinky. So there's a red thread that connects you and I to one another and me to every other person on the planet now and who has been on the planet and will be on the planet. So that goes to my red thread. I have some really strong personal values of creativity, uh, curiosity, and nurturing. And really that and my belief to leave things better than you found it has been the foundation of my career. And I took a number of years of being in the career, my industry, probably about seven before I could articulate what that was. But when I looked back and decided when I was unhappy in a position or when I re really lit up in a position, it's really that leaving it better than I found it and recognizing that I am connected to every other person within this industry who has been in this industry, who will be in this industry, who has traveled, who will travel, we're all connected in some way. So those are really the elements that pull together my career. I really like how you have framed the question about the red thread and rooted it into culture. I've more, you know, I more was thinking about the connection between different parts of your career, but you're also talking about the connection with making making a connection with people um, is what it sounds like. Can you also you can you say more about what it means to leave things better than you found them? That's a great question because it's a really um, personal decision, right? Like 
better is just a thing relative to something else. So better for me could mean different than better for you. But I grew up as a Girl Scout. And so for me, it literally meant if I see something on the ground that needs to be cleaned up, I'll clean it up. Or if there's a table that's dirty, I'm going to wipe it down. Or if I can do something to make somebody's day better, I'm going to do that. And in the really like macro sense of it, how do I preserve my destination, my property, my hotel, my guest room so that it's as enjoyable and engaging for future guests next week, next month, a decade from now, a hundred years from now. So I think about it on the very small scale of is there something I can do in this moment to leave this thing that I'm doing, whether it be checking in a guest or whether it be cleaning a guest room or whether it be writing a piece of marketing collateral, um, can I make it better somehow, tweak it and improve it? And in the very long term, am I thinking about how this falls into a grander ecosystem and moving us towards what is better? As in like, it's around for longer, it's of higher quality, it connects people more deeply. Those for me are things that mean better. That relates a lot to my uh, my next question about the impact. Uh, that that's really part of the answer, right? Is is that's the impact that you want to make? But can you elaborate that more specifically about the impact you want to make in the industry? Yeah, um, there. I've, I was the kid when I was growing up when we didn't have a single stream recycling where I designed our recycling bins out of boxes at home like in elementary school and I like designed all the boxes and I would hand rinse and sort all of the garbage in the garbage bin to put it in separate boxes. Um, so for me, sustainability, which is sort of a dirty word right now, but sustainability and environmentalism is something that I want to make sure that the destinations I go to, the beaches I enjoy and have enjoyed since I was a child are there for my nieces and nephews, children's 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 children. Um, so I want our destinations, our hotels, our beaches, our mountains, our rivers to be available for future generations. I think a lot about posterity. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that's really the impact that I want to have is how do we make this something that's around for a really long time? It's Hospitality is one of the oldest storylines we hear about a strange traveler getting taken into another person's home. And it's such a great gift that we can give to other people. I want that to be... Um, able to be around for a long time. I also want to make sure that I love seeing really diverse leadership. I really do, honestly. Um, so being able to see women realizing their potential and people who historically don't have as much of a voice or power uh, in our industry, especially getting into those positions and realizing their potential is just, that would be great for me. So if we could have a more diverse and more sustainable industry, that is the impact that I want to have. That's great. So on the first, in terms of sustainability in the travel industry, it reminds me of an experience I had visiting another state, and I, I will not name that state, but um, let's just say, you know, Vermont, where I'm from, is, is very much oriented towards sustainability recycling, we have a composting law. Um, I don't remember the last time I've seen styrofoam in the state of Vermont. And I went somewhere else close by and it was shocking to me how quickly, you know, just by going over the border, it was different. And so, you know, there's just so many different ways of dealing with that in the different states in the United States. 
How do we approach that in our industry? I think it's all about being curious. And again, just small changes that make it better. I had, I was in one state, I was in California and I went from Yosemite National Park to Monterey Bay. And I was traveling for work. My husband grew up in California. He spent as many summers as he could or birthdays that he could talk his mom into driving up to Yosemite, he would do that. And seeing the way that they did food service there, they literally wrapped their apples in saran wrap and nearly <laughs> everything was packed in styrofoam. And I'm like, this is, this is a national park. This is meant to be, we're supposed to be enjoying the splendor of nature. This inspired presidents and world leaders. And we're treating each other as though we can eat out of something that is going to become garbage. And that felt hard for me to swallow literally and figuratively. And then I went to Monterey Bay and I went to the Monterey Bay Aquarium and the Shedd Aquarium in Chicago is much the same. And they nailed it. I walked into their, uh, their food section, they had healthy food products that were available. Everything was on compostable plates or reusable plates. Most of them were steel. And so they just washed them and reuse them. Every single thing in their cooler was in uh, aluminum or glass. I, Rachel, I'm not lying. I teared up. I like called my mm. husband. I was like, this is beautiful. It's so different than what we just saw. So I think it's not about like these massive changes that we have to make today, but there's small, how, how can I make this a little bit better? How can I improve this one thing? And it might be, you know, it might just be the check-in process. Is there something I can do to reduce waste there? Or is there something that I can do with my, the, the uh, procurement methods? Like what, what vendors I'm using? We as hotel owners, we as hotel leaders have more power than I think we give ourselves credit for to go back to our vendor partners and say, hey, we're looking for a sustainable alternative to this. Do you have any recommendations? Something that lowers cost for us and something that will reduce the amount of waste that we have to put out as an organization. So that's just a small piece that we can do. It's a really big ecosystem. So to say that it's all on the consumer or all on the business is short-sighted. Yeah. But I think just asking the questions of, is there something I can do here that makes this thing better? Yeah. The other thing I'm hearing is that it's also about how you match the experience like if you want to match it to hospitality and travel that how do you match the experience of how you want people to feel and in that experience to you know the eating experience for example and you you said it just didn't feel right to be eating from a, something that was packaged in saran wrap and that it didn't seem to match but at the the aquarium it was that you you mentioned yeah. mm -hmm. the obviously because that's about nature the 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 experience of how they were serving things matched the experience of the attraction itself mm -hmm. and that that's, that's one of the sorry go ahead no 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 go ahead that's one of the things that I love about branding, which is one of the things that I focus on now is when you're thinking about the story, it's really important as an individual to know what your values are so that when you get into a situation, you say this does or does not align with my values. It's the same as a business. If you have a luxury experience and you're building a particular hotel or restaurant brand and you're really thinking, what is that? What senses does that tap into? What does it look like, sound like, feel like, smell like, taste like? Do all of those senses relate back to the experience you're trying to communicate. So if you're looking for a high-end, lush, lux luxurious experience, you're looking for silky, smooth, nice textured, warm, rich mm -hmm. materials. And is 
the plastic flimsy plastic shopping bag that you give water plastic water bottles away and going to do that probably not so mm -hmm. it's really again being able to write the story from the very beginning helps inform those decisions as you move on yeah absolutely that's a great example so I want to turn to having a little bit of a conversation more about you as a leader. So how would the people that you work with describe you as a leader? Uh, it's funny you ask this because I do a, uh, there's an, a, a business and life coach named Marie Forleo. Um, and she does a program called B-School that I've been a member of for the last seven years or so. And I go through it every year or so. Um, and one of the pieces of that process is to ask the people that you work with essentially how they would describe mm -hmm. you in three words. And so I did that just last year. Um, and I asked over 20 people that I've worked with, both uh, people who have led me, people I have led, people I've worked alongside. And I, as I do, I put it all on a spreadsheet, all of their answers and found the commonalities. And there were three things that came to the top for me. And this happens nearly every time that uh, I ask something like this, tenacious or stubborn, depending on who I'm asking. <sighs> Um, is one of them and then create creative, which can come through as like creative or um, uh, insightful or like curious, those sorts of things all go together. And then empathetic is the other one that comes up for me a lot. So those are really the top three mm -hmm. that when I ask people, how would you describe me? Sparkly was low on the list, but I did get that. But it's usually something like tenacious and creative and um, empathetic, which is always nice to hear. How would you say those descriptions match how you internally define yourself as a leader? I think they align pretty closely. It's always good for me to see something that I know is my personal value, which is creativity, come to the mm. surface there. And again, one of my core values is nurturing. So seeing that that's coming through as people reflecting back as you're mm -hmm. an empathetic, inquisitive, kind leader, uh, that is it's sort of a good barometer check for me yeah. of this is, these are the values that I want to put forth in the world are the actions that I'm taking, helping that be the outcome that other people are experiencing, experiencing. It's again, it's my personal brand. So if I know that I want to be, you know, creative, curious and uh, nurturing, then mm. am I doing the things? Is that the experience people are getting? Is that the lush material that they're experiencing? And then they reflect that back. So um, yeah, for me, it's, it pr resonates pretty well. I do have a hard time with the tenacious one only because, um, I know I am, but I really try, I worry that there's a fine line between being, uh, tenacious and being bullheaded. And I really try to soften some of those harder spots where I'm like, no, this is what I believe, or this is what I think we should do. And I try to make space for collaboration and to see other views. So some of them are great and then there are others where I know like this is definitely a core tenant of who I was born, but uh -huh. how can I take that? I don't want it to become a blind spot or a weakness. So how do I take that and leverage other skills to make sure that I'm being open and continuing to grow and leaving myself better than I found myself? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, essentially what you're talking about is integrity and, you know, in being in integrity is behaving in a way that matches your values. That's essentially the definition. Is there anything, could you describe a little bit more specifically how you bring that alignment in your life and work? 
Yeah, um, it's pretty consistent between the alignment between life and work. I try to keep pretty, um, I try, I try to keep in line with one another. So the elements that I am activating in my personal life are in some fashion or another activating in my professional life. So it's not necessarily that I, I'm, I'm a yoga instructor outside of work as well. Also, that's sort of work now too, but I have been taking yoga for over 20 years. But that doesn't mean I'm doing yoga in all of my meetings, right? That's It's not the behavior, the action mm-hmm. that matters. It's the way that I'm doing that. Mm. So if in my personal life, I'm engaging with my um, my f- best friend's daughters, I'm thinking about, I don't really have to think about it as much when I'm like just being myself, but the levity, the playfulness, taking the time to connect with even kids individually so that they feel heard and seen and playing at their level. Um, those are things that I n- sort of naturally do, but try really hard to do. How do I take that into my work life? It's really easy to be, you know, we're in a very, t- I'm also a type A person, but we're in a very professional organization. We're in a very professional industry. There's a lot of suits and ties and all that stuff. How do I allow myself the levity and fun that I normally have um, in my outside life so that I can make sure that I'm weaving those two things together really well and letting mm. my, as I, as I call it, my weird flag fly. So I will hit the standards that are required by an organization, but how do I do that with my own voice and my own spin? So I, I don't have to think about it as much now because I've really spent a lot of time at the early part of my career, like front loading the work of how do I be this weird human I am in this industry? Um, mm-hmm. But it was a lot of like, if if this is, is this how I would be outside of work? No, because I have a personal life and I have a professional life, but how do I take elements of those two things and bring them into one another? So sometimes mm-hmm. that's color or verbiage or just allowing myself to play a little bit more in work because I'm very mm-hmm. playful in my personal life. Am I going to break out into song in every meeting? Probably not. Do I break out into song at home when I'm cooking most of my meals? Yeah, I definitely do. But I'm a, I allow myself to have that like lightness and levity and fun and joy at work as well. Yeah. Yeah, the the words that are are kind of flashing in my head right now, now are authenticity and wholeness. <laughs> and I love that message that you're giving right now that because I think it's common. I know I do it that sometimes I, I compartmentalize my life and I'm this way in social situations and I'm this way in work situations and I'm this way in family situations. And uh, that's that's not always, you know, in integrity or in alignment. And um I think that's when we feel our best is when we are being that whole authentic person in all areas as much as possible. Uh, so, yeah. I agree. I do think it's also important to uh, to pull out two pieces there. It feels best when you are your authentic self and you're receiving the space and the feedback that that's desired and wanted. So when we're not in spaces that are inclusive of mm. all of that, it makes it really hard. And I have to... S- uh, recognize I'm sitting in a place of privilege, right? I'm a mm-hmm. white woman who was born in the United States. My native language is English. And while I grew up in poverty, I'm no longer impoverished. So I have 
the luxury of bringing my whole self to work because mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about, I'm my own boss now, so I don't have to worry about my boss firing me. Whereas when I started in the industry and I needed that paycheck, I needed the lunch they served, I needed the money to get the bus, I needed the money to feed myself, I did not have that luxury. So it's really important to say that this isn't like a, you can just bring your whole authentic self to work, no big deal, easy peasy, and then you're, everything's gonna be great. There, is a, there are a lot of other factors at play. So finding the right mm -hmm. organization that allows you to successfully fail at, there are times where I totally put my foot in my mouth where I was like, ooh, that's probably a little bit too weird for a workplace setting. There's places that you, when you find a place that you can safely have those conversations and start allowing your authentic self to come out, you build that level of confidence to be able to do mm -hmm. that more often. Well, I think there's always, you know, an element of appropriate place and time mm -hmm. for things, mm -hmm. right? But where it goes the other direction, and I'm so glad you brought this up, is especially with um, people of the global majority who in the workplace often have to engage in code switching. Mm -hmm. And um, that's that idea that you were just talking about is essentially that it, when they're in a certain environment, they have to act a certain way. Otherwise, they might not be accepted mm -hmm. and it might have consequences. And that's what we don't want to see happening. Um, absolutely don't want to see that happening, but is unfortunately still the experience of, of many people from the global majority. So how do you think, like, what's the importance of this in the workplace? Why is it so important for, you know, creating that space for wholeness? First and foremost, your, your employees are not employees, your employees are people. So first and foremost, it is important to make space for people to be able to be people because they're people. That's mm. why. So mm -hmm. at the very base level, people going to people mm. like we're just going to people. <laughs> that's a That's a, 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 a Robin Moncrief. Uh, she says that people, Does she? people oh, are, I love Robin. That makes me so happy. She is. She, I, I, she was so funny during accelerate. She said, people are just people in, <laughs> I love, yes, I laughed yes, so she hard. Did. She did. Yeah. She, and yeah. we took, she's totally 100% right. Like, we, I, 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 again, I'm a yoga instructor outside of this as well. And like, I forget what my left and my right is. And I lose my balance when I'm in poses and I have to remind myself and I have to remind my students, like, I'm just a people, I'm just mm -hmm. a people. I'm just a people. Yeah. Thank you for giving me space to people. If I'm teaching yeah. an hour and a half long class and in the middle of the class, you're going to stay in child's pose for a minute. Cause I have to use the ladies room. That's I'm just a human. Right. I yeah. am a, I'm yeah. a bag of bone and skin and that's just how it is so that's why we have to yeah. be able to bring ourselves to work because yeah that's just a fact do? it's just a fact we're just people we're human right mm -hmm. yeah so i'm gonna move on uh to our next question what makes your life and work meaningful and again i make that division between life and work so let's just say you know it's one thing because we've already yeah. determined that right what makes it all meaningful? Um, I will go back to what I said earlier, which is, that, well, I'll, I'll look at it from two perspectives. The first is what makes it meaningful in the grand sense and how do I make it meaningful? There's a difference between this work being inherently meaningful 
and how I make the individual tasks and the work that I do more meaningful. So in the grand scheme of things, what makes my work and the work that I do meaningful is the ability to connect people and leave things better than I found it. Mm -hmm. And that is what makes hospitality and what makes for me marketing meaningful for me. And I struggled with that a lot over the years because I felt like I'm not making an immediate impact. I'm not working for a nonprofit organization. I'm not, you know, working for a purpose-driven organization. The bottom line for the organizations I've been working for is literally the bottom line. They want to make profits. And so that was always the focus. So how do you find meaning in that when this work, which in the grand sense, again, is a tale as old as time. Weary traveler comes in, you welcome them in, you give them a place to stay and you're a part of their life journey. It's a beautiful, meaningful thing. When you can't find that meaning in the macro story of hospitality, I find meaning in the individual tasks that I do by connecting with other people and really honing on, on my values. So how am I taking this and using it to, it improve myself? Am I learning more from doing this? Am I helping somebody else in doing this? Is there something that I can do to make this better? Can I take this and use it in multiple ways so that I can have more impact with it in future? So in the grand scheme, it's meaningful because I'm connecting people. I'm leaving this place, this earth, this hotel, this whatever piece of collateral better than I found it. But on the micro level, when I'm doing an individual task and it's hard to get up and hard to get myself to my desk in the morning, I'm finding meaning in the things that I'm doing by really, really setting hard into the values that I have and finding a way to be of service to other people and, and really let those values shine through in the thing that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate you sharing that because I really actually struggled that. I, I actually started my first career in a very purpose-driven industry in an international mm -hmm. development work. And um, I had studied human rights and, um, and international law and making that choice to move to business was a hard one because I felt like I was giving that up. Mm -hmm. And for a while, I really struggled to redefine what my new purpose was in that world. And how could I live a purpose-driven life in my career if I was in business? And I came to a very similar conclusion that you did, that um, it's really in the everyday things that you do and that you know, connecting with people and supporting people, that really became a big part of my purpose. And that I also had the agency, you know, just like you said about earlier in the conversation, I had the agency to find the places where I could make an impact. And, you know, for so one of the first things I did was introduce recycle bins in our hotel rooms. We didn't mm -hmm. have them. It was just trash. Um, and even though we had recycling, a recycling container, we weren't offering that to our guests. Um, so yeah, that's a great, that's a wonderful point. Um, I love how you approach that. So when have you underestimated yourself? <sighs> all the time, literally all the time, all the time. I am a second guesser by nature. I, um, I have always like wondered, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? I've always been, I'm not sure if I can do that. And it's not the 
Um, for me, it's there's I, I literally can't point to one time where I truly underestimated myself because it happens all of the time. Mm. But what has changed over the years with that is the way I, I react to myself and I'm like, I'm not sure I can do that. So it used to be, I'm not sure I can do that. I'm not going to try. I don't want to mess up. Or I'm not sure I can do that. I'm not going to step out on a limb and look like an idiot. And now I'm like, I'm not sure I can do that, but let me try. And I, I've allowed myself to be a little bit more, which is funny because it's one of my core values is curiosity, but I've allowed myself to be more curious with myself and not just ask, let me see if I could, let me just try and see if I could. I also am like, oh, why don't I think I can do that? And, and then there's usually a, like, you get to the next like answer and you're like, oh, why that? And you go just a little bit deeper. Oh, why that? So instead of it being this resistant experience where I feel like I've come up against a wall, I instead go, oh, is there a window? Can I dig under it? Can I look around it? Can I look over it? Right? It's just sort of like, what other ways can I explore this so that it doesn't feel so uh, impenetrable or insurmountable? So yeah, mm -hmm. always, always, I, I always, it drives me bonkers too, because now I'm like, I, yeah. I know I, these are things I've done before. Now I'm just doing them for myself. That's the only difference is that I'm paying myself and somebody else isn't paying me. And I'm still like, I don't, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> yeah. <It's> wild. <laughs> well, I don't think you're alone. Self-doubt is just also part of the human experience. And I, I, I think no matter how well educated we are, no how, matter how successful we are, um, it's it's pervasive what it sounds like though is that you've also over time you've built up some courage mm -hmm. and to a courage to overcome and through that that curiosity and challenging yourself um you've really continued to to push yourself past that so kudos thanks that's where that. that tenacity really comes in handy where i'm like I can't figure it out. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. I want to do it though. <laughs> hey, that is really important. You know, that's the other side of, you know, sometimes there to these qualities, there's a dark side mm -hmm. and there's a very bright side um, mm -hmm. to how it can work in your favor. Um, so yeah, thanks for making that connection there uh, for sure. What event has shaped you as a leader? Um, I honestly think that my upbringing was probably what set me on a different path of leadership from the beginning. Um, two big pieces of that, not to go too deeply into it, but I, um, I grew up in poverty with a single father. So we struggled, um, food, light, heat, housing, clothing, all of those things were a challenge. Um, so that informed my humanity of the way I engage with individuals, recognizing that whatever we have going on at work is just not as important as the lived experience of the person mm. who I'm in front of. Um, and then I also uh, experienced uh, growing up, both um, uh, adults around me were experiencing substance issues mm -hmm. and had a hard time dealing with emotions. So that would come out in a lot of different ways. And that made me very hyper aware, right? Again, this, we're talking good side, bad side. On the bad side, it made me very hyper vigilant of an untrusting. But on the other side, it's made me extremely empathetic and I can often pick up on if there's something going on with someone. So again, I take that curiosity of, oh, is everything all right? Is there something a little bit deeper? Is there something more going on here? 
and i'm not perfect at this. as somebody is going to watch this podcast and go yeah right emily, there was that one time that i had this thing going on and you were such a jerk about it i get it, right? we're not perfect all the time. um no. but those are the things that have informed my leadership is recognizing that like whatever i have going on here, this is not a life and death situation. your life is a life and death situation. so the this stuff is just stuff and the person that you are mm. the people that you're peopling right is more important mm-hmm. um that definitely informed that and then again my ability to sort of read a room and like know what's going on with a person um mm-hmm. i don't always pay attention to that gut instinct when it comes up but um i i pick up on s- some of those things a little bit differently and and that definitely has helped inform my leadership as i've moved through my career mhm Yes, yeah, so you know, I'm I'm thinking it sounds a lot like perspective that you have a really deep perspective on on life. Um and uh would you call that, you know, that that sensing that maybe a kind of intuition that you've developed from the events in your life or I don't know that it's intuition because it's not always a gut thing and i think of intuition as a gut thing sometimes mm. it's a brain a strictly brain thing um right. but there is sort of a duality to the way that i have cultivated my thought processes it's like i'm super detailed in a lot of ways but i'm also extremely big picture and that's something that i think is different uh let me rephrase that in my experience through working with other leaders i've noticed that that particular way that i think has been in most cases different from other leaders that i've worked with or alongside where i'm like they're either detail or big picture and i come in and i'm like why aren't we thinking about the phrasing of this and also what are the global contexts of this thing mm-hmm. so um i i'd like to say it's strict intuition but there's a lot of intellect that goes along with that as well it's like the those two pieces specifically the way that that engages with one another i think is probably right. the piece well and and supported by the breadth of your experience mm. you know i mean if we relate it back to the events in your life and in your youth like you know your what what i'm gathering is that you just see a fuller picture but you're also very grounded in everyday reality of life yeah. mm. um so that kind of you know that kind of connects to what you were saying about being both detail oriented but also seeing the bigger picture for sure that that's a really that's a very uh difficult skill to have because i i have found in a lot of people it's either or mm-hmm. you know they're either very very specific and in the details or the other um mm-hmm. and i think you that that's also been my experience and i think you mentioned that just now as well so um so what leadership competencies do you think you need in the next period of change that we will experience well i like the way that you phrased this question and before the podcast started and you said if there were any questions i had questions about you said that we often don't give clarity so that you can see how people interpret this so i have a couple of ways that i interpret this because i have a massive amount of change going on because i just started went full time with my business and we have a lot of change globally going on because nearly everything that has been moving along for the last several you know decades is really starting to accelerate now so technology mm-hmm. changes in our climate the way that our economic systems are fluctuating global 
everything is just really moving very quickly. So I would say that both for me on a, a micro personal level and on a macro level, I think a lot of us need to make sure that we are first and foremost holding on to our humanity and remembering that we are people and that we are a mm. unified group of creatures on this planet. All of us are earthlings and this is our home and we are together hoping to advance our earthlingness. And the other, for now, until we live on Mars. Um, and for mm -hmm. now, and also um, adaptability because things are gonna keep changing and as tenacious and stubborn as I am, I know that that means that I also have to change with them. So it's really important for me to be able to arrive to a new situation and be like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was gonna be or expected or wanted or hoped or desired. How can I be flexible and bend and move and change and shift and grow in this situation? So humanity and adaptability, I think are the leadership competencies that we all need to embrace as we continue to move forward in our individual life changes, as well as in these global changes that we'll be facing all together as a species. Yeah. Absolutely. Those, those are great ones. I, you know, I've definitely heard, uh, you know, I talk a lot about adapt adaptability and agility and things like that. Um, but hum you know, the humanity aspects, uh, I don't, I don't think that gets talked a lot about a lot. It kind of gets looked over. <laughs> There's a really wonderful thing that I learned about, um, Darwin's theory of evolution, we, we think a lot that we use the narrative a lot that it's survival of the fittest. But if you actually go back and read his material, he talks about survival of the fittest very, very little. And he talks about uh, cooperation a whole lot, that it requires the cooperation of these species to be able to continue to grow and evolve. And so for me, that's that's humanity for us. How are we recognizing that we're all just weird birds on this little island that need to be able to get the seeds so that we can feed ourselves mm -hmm. and lay our eggs and have more birds. Like that it's just as simple as that. So yeah, I think humanity is a piece that gets left out a lot, but it just treat, treating people as people with dignity, respect and humanity is just gets us a long way. Well, and how, how I think that actually plays out in the execution of leadership is that you know, starting with humanity, we're all part of the human species. We are interconnected and red thread, man, that red thread, you can't get rid right. Of it. <laughs> we're all interconnected and they're the, the kind of further extensive extension of that is collective thinking, collaboration, um, you know, those are the things that's in everyday leadership that are going to be really critical um in this next phase absolutely for sure so this is one of my favorite new questions that i'm asking um what's your leadership edge um this was the one that i had the most questions about so uh, i'll tell you a story uh and it you'll notice that it relates back to everything we've talked to so far talked about so far um I was interviewing for a front office supervisor position at the autograph collection, uh, the, the Henry Hotel in Dearborn, Michigan. I moved from Rhode Island to Michigan. I had spent a little bit of time at a courtyard with a great team. I just wasn't happy in select service and I knew I wanted to be in full service and I loved this lifestyle brand that Marriott was working with, with autograph collection. And 
I showed up in a pinstripe um, Oxford top and a pencil skirt, but it was a purple pencil skirt. And the team asked the question of how do you allow people to come in and experience the brand at the front desk, right? You have new people coming in, you're training new people. How do you let them come in and articulate what they're supposed to articulate and have their own personality? And I said, the purple pencil skirt, it's, th it's this. This is how do I bring myself to work every single day? And that can be different. There are certain parameters that I, I have to stay within and I can color within those lines, but nobody said what colors I had to use. So mm. how do I allow myself to come through uh, it, my own voice, my own experiences, my own perspective in and still follow the protocol? So I think for me, again, it goes back to all the stuff we've talked about. My leadership edge is being a, allowing people to be themselves in even very structured environments and helping them find a way to do that. How do I communicate my own voice? How do I find my authenticity? How do I realize my own potential? How do I decide what I want to do? How do I look at this problem in a different way and approach it in a different way, knowing what my goals, my needs, my beliefs, my feelings, my values are? So for me, purple pencil skirt is my leadership edge. That's such a great metaphor. <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm not going to forget that one. Um, it's And it's literally what I'm thinking, it's, you're pushing boundaries. You're right literal, you're Just literally working right and on the edge and pushing the, the, the boundary of what's possible. That's and just... sometimes that's all it takes, right? Like we talked about sustainability earlier. Sometimes it's just going right to the, what we do now and peeking over and seeing what might be different if we moved it a little bit farther along. That it, it makes me think of, I know that you just, you've talked about how you just started your new business, um, and consulting. So how are you going to help your clients push the boundaries uh, of what's possible? That's a great question. I actually, my husband just had a really interesting, um, meeting with, he has an analytics person that, uh, I introduced him to about a year ago and she was taking them through a guided meditation yesterday during their analytics call. And I was like, mind blown because she was using it as a way to allow him to experience the best times he's had in his business as a way to shift their goals as they move forward. So he was really thinking about in his physical body, what his favorite business experiences has, had been in order for him to articulate and move forward. Um, I, I say in all throughout my website, it's all very much based. I start with why I do this, which is because I want to leave things better than I found it. I believe we should treat people the way that they want to be treated. Those are some of my core foundational beliefs. Um, so my goal with my clients is to help them connect with themselves, connect with other people and connect with destinations. So that might mean we take some time and figure out what matters to you as a business. How are we truly articulating what you want to do, what impact you want to have, your mission, your vision, your values. Then how do we turn that into how does it feel, sound, taste, smell, taste, taste, touch, feel? I'm missing a sense, <laughs> sense in there, but you get it. The five senses. Yeah. How are we activating all five of those senses in writing, right? You can 
write beautiful language like you if anybody's ever read if you give a mouse a cookie and then you're hungry for a cookie after you read if you give a mouse a cookie you understand the power of language so even from a marketing perspective which is what i focus a lot on once we've got that branding down how do we take that and roll our weird flag up so that people were like i like that i want to do that and then they come and find you and then um, finally the other thing that i'm looking to expand my business more of as we've talked about a lot is sustainability so how do we take what you have and what you want and what you need as a brand communicate it to your clients and then how do you leave your space better than you found it how do you make it so that your if it's your choice you can pass this on to another business owner or to your children or to your children's 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 children so that it's available for many generations to come. So um, that's really how I help my people. And um, I find myself working a lot right now with um, because I've I've rolled up my values and people know what they are. I'm working with a lot of women led businesses. I'm working with a lot of purpose driven organizations. They're totally focused on the bottom line. We've got to be profitable. But how are you also advancing some larger global goals in that. So um, yeah, how do we articulate it? How do we activate it? How do we make sure we can do it for a really long time? That's a great summary. I love <laughs> that, that. There's nothing more to be said about that. <laughs> um, and I, I love how it starts with the awareness piece, you know, first getting to know yourself or getting, you know, maybe even like reintroducing yourself to your, your own company. Mm -hmm. Like this is who I am. Um, before you can take that next step of activating. Um, that's a great, that's a great summary. Love it. How do you want to be remembered? <laughs> we talked about birds, so I'll go back to birds. Um, my, I, I don't have any children by choice. I'm one of those uh, intentionally childless humans in the world, but I have um, four nieces and a nephew. Um, my biological sister has five kiddos, so I joke with her that mm. she has our, my two and a half American yeah. standard children. Um, right. my, all of my best friends, um, both of my best friends each have three children apiece. So I, I surround myself with the future generation. Um, I am fondly called Emmy to a lot of those people or Auntie M. Um, and we've, we had this discussion one day, one of them said like, what bird would you be? And I was like, I would be a two can do it. Or I would be a flamingo, you go, flamingo girl. <laughs> so if in, in future, in, uh, when I die and I, I uh, think micro and I think macro, so I actually think about like my mortality quite a bit. When I uh, die and I have a funeral, I want to be planted under a tree because I want to be a tree and I want people, I want to be thought of as somebody that was connected to and nurturing mm. future growth. Um, I will likely have a bunch of postcards there that I've written to people all across my career and throughout my entire life. I want to be somebody that connected people um, and I want to be somebody that motivated people. So I want, I, I want to be a two can do it when I want to be known, have known as be, I want to have been known as a two can do it or a flamingo. You got this. Insp inspired. Uh, you're already doing it. So you. you're, you do inspire a lot of people around you. Um, I, I love that. And it's super powerful. I, and that image of the tree, um, that, that, that is really showing up for me right now. So thank you for sharing that. What vision would you pursue if you had everything you needed right now to succeed? <laughs> 
Um, I have had a pipe dream for a while of having a large commercial composting facility so that, because in Florida, there's only seven commercial composting facilities. Wow. And most of those are bio waste composting. So you're taking literally human waste and turning mm. it into like organic fertilizer, not the same. I want a really nice high quality commercial composting facility. I would plant multiple forests all across the planet of native trees in their places if I if money were no object and I could buy all the land I wanted to. Um, and I would make and as many hotels as I possibly could, I would walk in and be like, hey, here's your pie in the sky sustainability solution and you create no waste and you have all this fun stuff and people are gonna be around forever. So those are the, the big, the two small things are the commercial uh -huh. composting and forest uh, planting. And then the other would be making as many hotels as possible sustainable. And of course, along all of that is like bringing up women and people who have historically not had voices in our communities mm -hmm. um, up along with me, period. That's wonderful. Now it makes even more sense why your why your background is green. <laughs> yes, yeah. I've got like twenty something house plants in here. I'm just just for funsies. I'm about to start my master gardener certification programming. Oh my gosh. I know. Yeah. I can't. I can't. <laughs> that, so it's not a red thread. It's a green thread. It is a green. It is a green thread. Yes. That's that's so wonderful. Uh, and and I also I want to acknowledge the because you've mentioned it a couple of times about women and bringing up women and um as a really important part of what you do uh that's something i share with you and the reason why i created accelerate women leaders in travel which is where um you spoke at uh in april um and there's just there's so many great initiatives going right on right now in the hospitality and travel space around women women in leadership um, and I can see you being playing a big, really big role in that. Um, and it's, I just want to acknowledge how incredibly important that is uh, to, to lift more women up uh, and empower them in our industry. Uh, totally so thank great. you for that. Well, Emily, this has been an awesome conversation. I, uh, I love how you authentically have shown up as your whole self. Um, that's what really makes these conversations uh, so worthwhile for people to listen to. So thank you for being here. Thank, thank you, you so having. much. Thank you so much, Emily, for joining us today. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Until next time, I'm Rachel Vandenberg, and this is the Travel Leader Podcast.